Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of the Anyone's Game podcast. I'm Robbie Hunrathy and today I am joined by Anyone's Game's Kenny Bogue, as well as our special guests, Paul Beeson and Rachel Graham of Sweet FA. We're going to tell you all about their upcoming shows at the Edinburgh Finch Festival. You know, here at Anyone's Game, we love to promote the women's game and do something different. So first of all, you're one of the co-writers of Sweet FA, Paul. Tell us a bit about yourself. Uh, well, um, hello guys, thanks for having us on. Um, so I, I'm a, a writer um, and an actor from Edinburgh. Um, and I suppose that the, the, the way that Sweet FA came about really is um, we did a show at Tynecastle uh, a couple of years ago called A War of Two Halves, which told the story of the 1914-15 season uh, and the Hearts players who volunteered to fight in the First World War. And we actually got to tell that story doing a sort of promenade performance around the stadium, which was great. Like we we wrote this play, uh, myself and Tim Barrow and Bruce Strachan, who's the uh, the director of Sweet FA and uh, one or two halves. And we kind of were just going to put it on in a, I don't know, wherever we could in the fringe, a, a pub basement or, you know, just wherever. And um, we started talking to Hearts about the fact we're putting it on and then suddenly we're performing in the stadium. It was mental. It was just great, like me as a Hearts fan as well, going to Tynecastle for work every day. It's like, <laughs> this is magic. Um, and while while we were doing War of Two Halves, um, Anne Park, who's a commercial director at Hearts, mentioned to Bruce in a sort of throwaway conversation, oh, do you know it's, uh, it's coming up to the centenary of when women's football was banned? Um, we were like, it was banned? What? It was like, we had no idea um, that the, the FA banned women's football in 1921. And then she went on to say that one of, there was a quite a big women's game in, um, I think it was 1920, was played at Tynecastle. And then that just planted a seed. And we're like, all oh, right, okay. Um, and then we started doing some research and now we have a play. And now we're doing it at Tynecastle again. Yeah, so, so we're yeah, thrilled, absolutely thrilled. Rachel, to tell us about yourself as well. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Rachel. I'm an actor and singer. And yeah, I've just been um, cast in Sweet FA and it's just been brilliant. We've been in rehearsals and obviously it's been such a difficult time with like COVID and lockdowns and everything. And it's so great to be back into a, a space where we're telling stories about real people and retelling stories in an all-female cast is just so special so I'm really looking forward to performing it. And Rachel is acting something you've always wanted to do is this realizing a dream being part of the fringe doing sweet FA? Yeah I mean I was acting before in the lockdown and um, professionally and then obviously Covid hit and then we all had to kind of stop and and recalibrate and things like that so um, it's just been it's been so special to be able to get back and, and safely get back into rehearsing and, and telling stories again. And Paul, you obviously had to do a lot of research I read into sort of developing the play. So what, what sort of what sort of research do you do? I mean, how do you find out about it? Um, first of all, we, we sort of did quite general research about about the birth of the women's game and kind of we, we just kind of started right at the start. Um because the women's game was hugely popular um, sort of in the, the late 1800s. And then it sort of it sort of tailed off again. And then during the First World War, when a lot of men went off to fight, obviously, you know, going abroad, 
um, women were picking up the slack, working in factories, sort of taking on the jobs that the men left behind. And this led to women forming sort of factory kind of work teams uh, that they would then play against sort of, you know, other factories, other, other women's teams that had cropped up all over the place. And they were actually raising money for the war effort. And it became so popular. Like there was there was one women's game um, at, at Goodison Park in Everton, uh, in Liverpool, beg your pardon, um, that had 53,000 people attend it. And then the following year, when the men had come back and the men's game kind of took off again, there was less people at the men's FA Cup final, the fall, so so the women's game was actually drawing in bigger crowds sometimes in the men's game, and I think the FA were threatened by that, the fact that the men's game was losing traction and the women's game was was gaining it. So yeah, so general research, and we're kind of finding all these facts, and then we start to kind of try and localize it because we wanted to tell, you know, a Scottish story or, or an Edinburgh story if we could. Um, and in our research, like we found out, the first women's international ever was played at Easter Road, which isn't ideal for us doing a show at Tynecastle. <laughs> but, um, but it just showed like Scotland was, you know, very instrumental in the women's game sort of big beginning. And then we discovered that there was um, a, a rubber factory on Fountain Bridge. It's called the North British Rubber Factory. So we kind of took a lot of these sort of real historical things, but then we've created a fictional team. So so the, the women in our play work at the North British Rubber Factory because they, in reality, made loads of welly boots for the war effort. So we've now got these, uh, a bunch of uh, women in this factory and, and they get the opportunity to play football and it brings them really close together. And so it's, 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 it's a kind of, it's a mixture of historical fact, but we've created a, a fictional story yeah. that kind of weaves into that. But it was a, it was a lot, a lot of research to do. And yeah, so, so now we have a much greater appreciation for the women's game because, you know, we've done nothing but think about women's football for almost two years now, you know. Yeah, Paul, I'm doing my dissertation at the moment on the growth of the women's game and the representation the media coverage give them compared to the men's. And the fact that there was an FA ban for so many years, I didn't even know that. And the fact that you're telling listeners of the show, they probably don't know the same. And the fact that just in 2019, Hamden had 20,000 almost at it for a women's match, which was five times more than the previous record, it just shows there is that growth coming back. And especially with plays like yourself, Water Two Halves and Sweet FA, they might inspire more people. Absolutely. You know, it's funnily enough, I was listening to one of your other episodes um, and forgive me, I can't remember the, the, the girls you had on, but uh, from the, the Hamilton player uh, mm. and she was talking about when she was a, a young girl playing football, she had nobody to look up to, you know, um, and and now that sort of during the pandemic, her and, and the other person that was on were talking about how through the pandemic, they've been kind of helping the, the younger girls coming through and keeping them focused. And it's like, you know, it's only taken a hundred years, but <laughs> <laughs> um, just the fact that, that young young girls want to get into football now have a, a much wider support network. You know, just professionally, like the a lot of the you know clubs are, are taking the, the women's side of the, their football much more seriously now. But it just it just shows you if, if there wasn't a ban. I mean, the ban was only lifted in the seventies, so so there was fifty years where women weren't allowed to play football professionally. And if you think about where the women's game would be now if they didn't have a 50-year gap. Or flip it around, imagine where the men's game would be if they had a 50-year gap before they were allowed to, to play. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's absolutely mental. And was it banned by, because I know, I'd imagine the Scottish FA would have been the same though, because I've seen a show before about the English FA where they're all haughty-totty, you know, mm-hmm. the, the elite of society, shall we say, at that time. So was it banned in Scotland and England or was it the English FA that banned it after that FA Cup final? 
Yeah, so so the English FA took steps to ban it, and then other F, the, so the Scottish FA Stop basically problem. copied them, I because that's you know aye. I don't I don't wanna, I don't want to say they're uh, sort, sort of um, you know um, I don't know just kind of doing what they were tell, but it's, <laughs> it was that it was that kind of vibe. But yeah, it's just um, it, it's purely because they were threatened. threatened you know? like the, the excuses that they were trotting out for banning the women's game, saying like you know it was, it was dangerous for for their reproduction, repro- you know reproduction. Productive uh, system and just nonsense, complete nonsense. It was fabricated, but it was enough to pass a motion, which you know, uh, especially at a time when women had been you know fighting for to you know for equality to, to be to be able to vote uh, and stuff, and going through the the suffrage movement, and then for the men to turn around and go, "I well, you can't play football now." So. Uh, you've just made our wellies and built our bombs, but you can't play football now. Exactly, exactly. Um, and Rachel might touch on this later if she's talking about her her role within the play. But that that's certainly a point that we try to hit a, hit home. It's like you know when the men came back, they took their jobs back. So the women that had done all this amazing work during the war were just basically told to sling their hook because the men are back. They deserve their jobs back, you know. And that's the point. It's like. Yeah, the men were out there doing the fighting and risking their lives, but without women making wellies or uh, munitions, the men would have been screwed because they wouldn't have had any equipment. You know, they wouldn't have been able to fight a war without the without the equipment. So you can understand why a lot of women felt really, you know, let down by the government and, uh, you know, the people that are meant to be looking after you. Yeah, exactly. And that's a perfect way to put it because people maybe don't see it like that. The women really sacrificed themselves to let the men play for all these years. So... I guess that is why it gives you such an inspiration to do this plays on women's football. We've done so much research, seen the injustice, and then you can actually hold a showcase that hundreds of people can see and really learn the history like we are right now. I know, this is actually so interesting, it's brilliant. I was just going to say, obviously, Paul touched on it there, Rachel. So tell us about your sort of role in the play then. Yeah, so um, I'm playing Anne. She's one of the factory workers. And it's just, I feel like the thing that comes across so much in the play is the strength of women and the strength of community. And I think there's parallels between football and theatre. And it's brilliant at coming together of especially during the pandemic of us all having going through really difficult times and during the play obviously it's the women and their their partners and their fathers and their brothers are all off to war and the women have to you know pick up the slack and really bandy together in order to be strong for each other um, but also to support their their partners and their their families who are off um, in the war and it's that thing of I think it really mirrors us showing when we're in times of crisis everyone kind of comes together and forms this really strong bond and I think women in particular are really good at having that strength and sense of community of everyone coming together and um, and working really hard to to make sure that everyone's needs are met whether that's you know making the welly boots and making the the bullets and the hoses and everything like that or whether it's supporting families back home and I've found that the cast we we only met like all together about two weeks ago and we're already this complete family and we've got this it's like we're mirroring the women a hundred years ago who've all come together because they've had to and we've all come together to tell their story and then I feel like there's so many parallels when you know we have a lot of scenes in the play where they're in the factory or they're on their work breaks and everyone's bonding and being supportive and then we'll have our lunch breaks and I'm like this is exactly the same and this is what's so special about women and about human beings in general is just that we have that rallying together mentality of uh, supporting each other and it's been really 
been really amazing to be a part of it. That's just fantastic when you say that, that you'd only met two weeks ago and you're such a community together. Is this the first show you've been acting in in over 18 months, I'm guessing? Yes, yeah. So it makes it <laughs> even more exciting, yeah. Yeah, and it's so brilliant as well because obviously it's in Ten Castle Park. So we're talking about you know, when we're having matches and the play of being like, we're, we're playing in Tynecastle Park and you're actually in Tynecastle Park looking around being like, it's so overwhelming to be in the space and it's so overwhelming to have the opportunity to be performing again as well. And it's like, we're all so grateful to be able to do it. And also because it's in the open air, it's completely like COVID yeah. safe. Everyone will be spaced out. We've got so many seats and it's just, it feels like a very, yeah, it feels very special. So he's actually playing football in the play? Yeah, well, we're, we're um, how would you describe it, Paul? We're, um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, uh, we're having a theatrical nod to it, aren't we? We have... We play football matches in it to a certain extent. So did you have to do any training for that? Are you good at football? We've been um, we've been knocking a ball about. Uh, <laughs> my character has is doing more singing and is more in the kind of uh, music side of things and um, being part of the ensemble. Um, but some of the some of the girls are um, like yeah, in their breaks having a wee kick about and, oh, and practicing and stuff. And it's yeah, it's been really good. Well, that's fantastic. You'll have to get some of the cast to have a game against some of the SWPL players. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you do a charity match? <laughs> yeah. <I> just... <laughs> so, Rachel, you, you play Anne in the play. Paul, you can tell us a bit more. Who are the other characters in the play without giving away too much spoilers, I guess? Okay, well, um, so the like I sort of touched on earlier, uh, most of the characters are, are fictitious. Um, we do have a couple of real historical figures. So we've got um, Helen Graham, um, who was actually sort of one of the, the early pioneers of women's football. Helen Graham was involved in the first international that happened at Easter Road. Uh, and, and there isn't much historically sort of um, there about her. Like we know who she was sort of roughly when she was born, uh, that she was a goalkeeper. She was from Montrose. Uh, and that's kind of it. So we've now got her that she's, you know, she's one of the older women in the factory. Um, and when the, the women get the opportunity to play, it comes out that she used to play, you know, sort of 30 years before. And she actually becomes the, the, the coach of the team because she's too old to be kind of getting involved. But she's been there and done it. And um, she puts the women through their paces. Now, because it's an all-female cast, there's there's nine, nine women um, in the play. They also play various other roles other than just the women in the factory. Uh, so they play members of the SFA and uh, just sort of other sort of general men and soldiers and things like that. Um, when they are playing the female characters, they're, you know, they're very, the scenes are quite realistic and quite intense and emotional and, and funny at times. When they play the SFA, the gloves come off and they imagine. just over the top. <laughs> like you were saying earlier, Kenny, that sort of the English heavy, we're all hoity-toity. It's, yeah. it's that um, completely caricature, yeah. Over the top characters, just the buffoonery of the SFA that we can all as football fans completely relate to. Just these idiots who know nothing about <laughs> football have the final say in how the game is run, you know. One of the, I won't give too much away, but one of the characters is called Lord Dundee and he never gets the votes right, which is something that we can relate to as Hearts fans. When, uh, so so there's, 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 there's lots of, uh, there's lots of wee digs and nods to the current SFA. 
without being sort of libelous. It's satire, so we think we, we can get away with it. Well, you've just admitted it, so... <laughs> I know, there we go. <laughs> if, you, if you want to see us take the piss out of the SFA, come along. Well, so. when it is, it is written and directed by three Hearts fans, then I can talk <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, now I must add, I must add as well, it's not overly Hearts-centric, this show. Obviously, a war of two halves, being about the Hearts players, uh, was... Uh, and we had to sort of tread carefully there as well because, you know, um, that, that part of Hearts history is very important to Hearts fans about their, you know, their uh, war, their, this sort of connection with the war. But some other fans kind of, you know, look, look at it as, oh, I, Hearts fans think that Hearts won the war by themselves and that. So we had to kind of tread sort of carefully and acknowledge players, you know, like from Hibs and Wraith Rovers and Falkirk who also volunteered. And it's a similar thing. So like with this one, it's not, apart from the fact it kind of, it's set in Gorgie um, and a couple of the women who, who, who are, you know, quite avidly into the football before um, they get the chance to play are sort of Hearts fans and the families are Hearts fans and stuff. Yeah, it's not Hearts, it's not like a Hearts play. No. Um, and there's definitely, there's a, there's a lot in there for fans of other teams and, and just sort of theatre goers in general, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say having um, like reading, reading the script and, and being in the play, um, I would say that you can go to it not even like you you can you can appreciate there's so many jokes in it for football fans in general, but also there's just it's just a fun show that even if you're not even into football, I think people would go and still really really enjoy it. Like I when I went to see a war of two halves, I. I'm not a huge football fan don't know if I should say that on the podcast um but I went away like so so into it and so energized and wanting to engage with it more um for that reason but yeah I would say that it's it's pretty I think it would be enjoyed by everyone yeah and as you say we know this play is sweet FA and you mentioned one of two halves that was a similar play as you mentioned wrote a few years ago Paul played to sold out crowds during the festival and I think I was told you even brought it back around Remembrance Sunday. Do you think this Sweet FA is going to excite people as much as it did the sold out crowds back two years ago? Uh, I, I really hope so. I think it deserves to. Um, yeah. it, it's a very different kind of play, this one. Uh, there's a lot more, um, like I said, you know, the sort of the diff play, the women playing different characters and sort of being really over the top at times and then really serious at others. There's lots of music there's going to be loads of live music and live songs uh, sort of weaved in throughout the play. And I absolutely think it deserves it. Now, whether we get the same kind of audience, I, we don't know yet. Like, obviously, when you're telling the story of McRae's Battalion, you're going to get a lot of Hearts fans who, who are aware of the story and want to come and see it because it's not only connected to the club they support, but they also get to be in Tynecastle and, and see something um, that's not a game of football. It's a wee bit different. With this one, hopefully we've you know made enough sort of connection with people over the last few years that, that, that they will come and support this, even though it's um, about a, a different facet of, of football. Um, what we're hope, hoping to do is to try and get a, a different audience again. I mean, the fact that we got loads of Hearts fans coming to see a war or two halves. Now, a lot of these guys would never go to the theatre at all. And we, what we've done is, you know, given them an opportunity to, you know, we've, we've kind of put it into a context that they understand and can appreciate. So we, we, had, we had loads of non-theatre goers coming to watch theatre and being genuinely moved by it and enjoying themselves and these big, you know, big burly skinheads coming up, shaking your hand at the end of the show with a, a tear in their eye going, oh, you know, that was 
was the best thing I've ever seen. Um, but they would never they would never go to the Kings or the Lyceum or the Trav to, to watch a play generally. Mm-hmm. Um, so so hopefully some of them will come back, but but hopefully it'll sort of this this will reach a wider um, theatre going audience, perhaps you know. Yeah, it's tough so to tell. Special. It's so special being an all female cast, and also because we're multi role and we're playing lots of different characters, we're not just playing the female characters. And um, I was speaking to someone who's got a wee girl, and and she's going to come along to see it, and uh, she's going. But what about what about the boy parts? Um, and it was like, no, no, it's there's just women playing male parts. And she went, oh my god, that's amazing. And it's that kind of thing of like, you know, as a woman to have the opportunity to to tell a story and to not just be an accessory or be be playing a girlfriend or a waiter. It's like we're actually telling our story as a group of women and able to able to really take center stage and and form an all-female cast it's it's not very common and it feels very special we're all very grateful to be able to have that opportunity to to work in an all-female cast and so Rachel would you say then it's for you know for everyone to tell everyone to come and see it as many as they can it's you know and oh, is it an age limit like- did I see 12 or am I making that up oh it, it does it says it's it's 12 uh, ages 12 and up but I mean People young, maybe? yeah, <laughs> I would say so. I mean, there, it's it's not um, there's no not there's no swearing or you know it's not unsuitable for ch- for children and perhaps the nature of it was sort of being based around the war and historical stuff like that. You know, if you if if you had young kids, they might just not grasp the yeah the concept of it. But um, I would say yeah, anybody really. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's fun. It's yeah. yeah, that's the thing. I think that the the text, the script is so funny. There's so many. Obviously, we have our, our moments, but it is genuinely a very funny uh, play. And I think that, yeah, it, anyone could come to it and enjoy it. And I would hope, you know, I was thinking about being a child and growing up in football. And I used to play football in primary school. And I remember it being like, don't kick it like a girl and all this kind of stuff. And it's that kind of thing. Of, I remember at the time being like, what does that mean? Like, I don't I don't understand what that means but it was like we grew up in that culture and I think it is really changing and like ideally it would be brilliant if like younger girls and anyone could come and be like oh I can do that and I can play football and I can or I can even if you're taking it in a wider context I can do whatever I want to do and it's that thing of a hundred years ago that's what these women were, were paving the way for was in order to for future generations to be able to engage and that's why it's so shocking to find out that there was a ban just when women had worked so hard in order to get the vote and to to prove their worth you know I, I couldn't believe it when I found it out in the script. I totally don't buy into that phase kicking it like a girl because there was girls I went to school with and played football and there's a lot better than me but maybe that says a lot about my <laughs> footballing ability. Oh there's brilliant players. <laughs> but, but I'll ask you I'll ask you this first Rachel you speak so enthusiastically about Sweet F.A. So what is your favourite thing about the play? My favourite thing about the play? I mean, I think it sounds maybe a bit... The script, the script is so brilliant. And like, Paul, it's just, it's so brilliant. And it's so detailed and well-written. And it has so many different layers. Uh, the thing that I've been enjoying is bringing the script to life and having a group of women who are so committed and talented and we have beautiful have beautiful original songs in it 
So I'm basically saying everything about Sweet FA is brilliant, but it is that thing of just, it's been so exciting to get these words on the page that are so brilliant and actually just turning it into a beautiful piece of theatre that I'm hoping people will love just as much as I love it. Well, I was sold on the advert, but talking to you guys, I'm sold. Uh, but me and Robbie are coming in. It sounds brilliant. Like, it really does. I'm going to try and bring my 12-year-old stepdaughter and inspire her. Oh, please do. That's exactly what we want. My daughter's, my daughter's 19, so I don't know if she'll come, but she might. Maybe. <laughs> and what about you, Paul, as a co-writer of Sweet FA? What would you say is your favourite thing? I know you probably just embraced it all being a writer, but what would you say to a listener the favourite thing is about the play? Um, it's well for me. It's similar to what Rachel said. In a way, it's it's watching it come to life. Um, we've spent probably close to two years researching and developing and writing this play. So we um, actually were going to do it last summer, uh, and we had a finished script that we were going to do, but then obviously COVID and, and we couldn't. Um, and then we spent the last year sort of rewriting it, tweaking it, and it's become a completely different thing. Um, and it's the hardest and longest that I've ever worked on on any piece of writing before, um, certainly. So when you've got, like, you know, your idea of what you think this play should be, and you've, you've got your last draft, and then you, you give it to the cast, and then just watching it come off the page, it's, there's, not, there's not a feeling like it. Apart from when hearts score against Hibs or something like that, it's, you know, you, you just you, you you get so excited about. But this, um, it's great. Like watching Rachel and the rest of the uh, the cast make decisions about how the character should say their lines and and behave and and stuff, and uh, they're taking all that from our scribblings on a on a page, uh, and it's just amazing to have what started off as a throwaway conversation two years ago is is now a full-scale theatre production just it's just it's amazing and even though we know and like myself and Tim and Bruce know this play inside out because we've done nothing but sort of tweak it and tinker with it for two years it still makes us laugh out loud when we're watching rehearsals it still makes us cry in certain you know the sort of sad moments of the play we still get really emotional we still we're still laughing out loud at it so to get that kind of response when you know it really well bodes well I think for a, a, an audience who are going to come and see it fresh so yeah it's just it's been a magical experience so far so hope it continues no pressure Rachel <laughs> I'll do my best Paul and I was thinking that bumming up all right I said you've already got the job <laughs> <laughs> that's it it's actually genuine that just shows you doesn't it it's cool it's, there's so much genuine love in it yeah. really I think yeah <laughs> And it is it is great to see, like Rachel touched on earlier, like the sort of the, the parallels between the women in the play and, and the cast, just a group of amazing women creating something is just great. It's fabulous. As we say, me and Kenny have never been, believe it or not, to the Fringe Festival in our lives. And what? And, and, I've and, been and, a few plays and musicals, but never in Edinburgh. I was in Glasgow, uh, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I worked in a theatre for two years, seen a lot of plays, but I've never been to the world-famous Finch Festival. So we're obviously wanting to get tickets to this. And I know this year, because you've got a play in it, you might know, but last year the Finch was cancelled. The year before, there was almost 4,000 shows happened. This year is 216 shows available to attend in person. Just what are you expecting from the whole Fringe Festival in 2021? Well, the Fringe is really special and 
I think that we are so lucky to have on our doorstep. I'm from Glasgow, and uh, so no excuses. You need to you need to come go through. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so special, and it's 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 so huge. And whilst obviously this year is on a smaller scale, that just means that we're working so hard at, at making it such a, a high quality piece of theatre because people have been unable to see it. So I think it'll be a different experience from the previous fringes, obviously with all of the kind of uh, different spaces and it being smaller. But I think hopefully, I mean, I know I'm feeling very grateful for it and uh, really excited to, to go and see things and to be a part of it. And I think that it's like just a great opportunity for us to be able to go and see things. And so, so listeners know, when does the show start and how long does it run for? Shall I field this one, Rachel? Yes. I do know, but you... you <laughs> no, 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 you don't. No. It it's better, no, it's better it comes go. from you. No, no, honestly. <laughs> so it starts on the 5th and it runs to the end of August, but you're best to go on the website and uh, see, but we're doing matinee and evening shows. So lots of opportunities to go and see it throughout the month of August. There's two places to get tickets from. So you can get tickets from the, the Edinburgh Fringe uh, box office, or you can get them direct from the Hearts e-ticketing website as well. So if you can't get them in one place, you can always try the other one. So all listeners, make sure you listen to Paul and Rachel's advice and do that. But just before we wrap up, Paul, you're doing play on women's football. You're a big Hearts fan. Do you follow a lot of Scottish women's football? Um, I'm not, not really. Um, I have to be honest and say that. But like I said, over the last couple of years, uh, my eyes have been opened to women's football, actually. So uh, we're actually hopeful that the Hearts women team are, are going to come and watch a performance of Sweet FA. We're trying to make that happen. Uh, when we did War of Two Halves, we were lucky enough to be able to perform to the, the first team back then as well. So we think it's only right and proper that the women's team get a chance to come along and see it as well. But I shall definitely be keeping a much closer eye on women's football from now on. Well, you'll both have to follow anyone's game and keep up with the coverage. We'll keep yeah. you updated, don't yeah. worry. I'm already, already, already on it. Already on it. <laughs> don't you worry. <laughs> already on it. And definitely, it's got to be an exciting season for your team, Hearts. Paul, they've got a new head coach, Eva Ollard, and it's an expanded 10-team season. So for any listeners of anyone's game, if you might be tuning in just to hear about the play and want to know more about women's football, definitely, it's got to be an exciting season ahead. So make sure you... Tune into the SWPL coverage and the weekly Anyone's Game podcast. And just to conclude, thank you very much to Paul and Rachel and Kenny on today's podcast. Thanks very much, guys. It's been a blast. Thank you. That was brilliant, guys. Thank you very much. much.